Four runners, Mike the newbie, Wes and Alan the young bucks, Scott the master, come together to talk about everything running. At different stages of experience, they are brought together by a passion. Some may call it an obsession. Join us while we talk about track stories of battling it out with friendly competition, thoughts on ultra running, our current workouts, along with upcoming races, recaps, training tips, and more. In this episode, we talk about stretching. When we prefer to stretch, what we have learned from over the years of running. We also talk about yoga and other techniques we use for recovery. Also, in this episode, Wes reports remotely, so we apologize for any audio issues we have. We are working out different ways to encourage more guests. Hope you enjoy. One of the things that I always notice when um, I'm at a race, the last race I was at, people are always stretching. I never stretch. Or at least I don't know what to do to stretch. So I figured a good topic for this one would be stretches. Sure. My question is, you, was this before the race or after the race? This was before. And they were stretching. Yeah. And like I went to Moxie, for example. That's when I saw the most people way back this summer. There were people doing all kinds of different stretches. You know, some people were having their legs up on you know cement barriers. Others were on curbs. All this random types of stretches. And I had no idea what to do, you know, what kind of benefits there are, when to stretch. I saw people stretching afterwards. So I figured this would be a good topic for me since I'm new or a beginner. So there's a couple different types of stretches. Uh, When I first started running, I would do a static stretch before a run, which is something where you hold the stretch for a period of time. And as I learned more about running, I would do dynamic stretches, which are stretches that emulate the action that you're going to be doing. Um, so leg swings would be a type of um, dynamic stretch. So Wes, what about you? Uh, are you a stretching proponent or is it just enough to get by? What are, what are your thoughts? I don't know if I always necessarily stretch before a race. I, I do a warm up. I think, I think if you're maybe prone to injury, stretching might be good. But I think on a on some sort of level, I think stretching in some ways might slow your race down because your muscles are going to be looser and you may not have as much speed. But I think I don't think you're talking large amounts of time that you necessarily take off. But I feel like I get more benefit if I stretch after I run. But that's just me. By speed, you mean you have less elasticity in your um, muscles? Like if you if you look at a sprinter, if a sprinter stretches extensively before he does a 100 meter sprint he's probably not going to run that sprint as fast just curious why would you say that well my i was talking to my cousin about that because she's a physical therapist and she says she says you may not necessarily notice you know if you're doing a long distance race you may not notice um that your time is slower but she says uh if you're doing a shorter distance race you know you might notice it. I probably would, I would say if you're doing a 5k, you know, stretching before that, but if you're doing like shorter, um, you know, track, you know, 400s or 100 meter sprints, you may not necessarily want to stretch as much as if you were to do a different type of race. I, I don't know as if I find that I stretched before a race, I 
feel any different, but I think after you race, it's important to stretch. And I don't know what the evidence is, if it's better to stretch before a run or after, but kind of the way I do it. Correct. Same. Uh, yeah. So, and I, and I think it really comes down to the individual. Yeah. Because the stretching to me is an activity that you, you participate in when you're looking for a specific physical feedback. Okay? Now, most stretching should be done after you've warmed up. So your blood flow should be up there. There should be pretty good circulation. Your heart rate has maybe gotten up a little bit. It's like when you get up in the morning, you know, if, if those of us of the older age groups, <laughs> you know, technically when we get up in the morning and we start walking and we start moving and limping and crawling or whatever it happens to be across the bedroom, yep. that is a form of stretching. Because what we're doing is we're loosening up um, what has previously been passive muscles and, and tendons and ligaments. They haven't been active. They haven't been engaged. They haven't been um, loaded with stress. So by moving across the, the bedroom, in that case, right. you're, you're waking things up. You're getting them ready for other activities. And that's really what the purpose of stretching could be prior to a race. Yeah. Um, and then to Wes's point, after the race, okay, you're feeling a little tight, you know, your, your muscles are fatigued, you've, you've used up the available fuel supply within the muscles, and it just feels good sometimes to hold that muscle in, a, in an elongated position and just let it kind of relax a little bit, kind of let that tension out of it, you know, yeah. without going to a, a stick or a ball or a massage therapist, you know, just trying to get that oh, that feels better now that it's loosened up. So I messaged my cousin Jessica, and she's a physical therapist, and she says it's typically better to stretch when your muscles are warmed up. So whatever exercise you're doing, if you can get your muscles warmer and then stretch, it's typically better. I think we have to be careful because what is considered warmed up for a muscle is not what we consider being warmed up. Right. You know, warmed up for a muscle is raising your heart rate maybe 15 or 20 beats. You've gotten that extra blood flow, you know, the, the, the pulse is a little higher. You're, you're exaggerating the amount of normal blood flow, and by doing that, you're generating heat. And by generating heat, you're actually warming up those muscles. Whether they're your legs, your arms, your neck, your ears, your lips, it doesn't matter. Right. You're generating the heat so that now the muscles are warmed up because they've had that extra blood flow, which in turn provides additional oxygen to those areas. So now they're more receptive to elongating, to, uh, to stressing in a gradual manner. Uh, you know, if you're gonna do, to Wes's point earlier, if you're gonna do a sprint, okay, dynamic stretching is probably much more effective prior to the sprint race. You know, you're not gonna wanna lay down on the ground and hold your leg, you know, in a strained condition for 30 seconds. Right. You know, because that's not going to be replicating what you're about to ask it to do. I was going to say the analogy I hear a lot is um, muscles to uh, a rubber band. Yep. So if you hold it for a long time, you're losing that elasticity, which 
oh. translates to power. So a long, steady stretch is going to make that muscle longer. Takes any potential away. Well, it what it does is it it stretches the muscle out. It doesn't create the natural elasticity, but at the same time, if you're doing activities to strengthen that muscle, once it's been elongated, then you're getting kind of the best of both worlds. Hmm. The problem that overstretching, which I think Wes you know, mentioned a little bit, is if you're stretching too much, too much static stretching, and too much elongation of the muscles, you can create weak points. You create the weak link and you expose that weak link because now the muscle is not strong enough because you've elongated it. Right. And now it, there's no tension there. So there's no tension. So when you go to ask it to <laughs> contract, it's like, well, shit, I'm just laying here. So you got to be a little careful, and you got to really, you got to use, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Portland Pale Ale. Uh, what you've got to do is you've got to make the appropriate stretching activities to align with the activity you're getting ready or you've just completed. So that would be different for like a 5K or a 10K or even longer runs, depending. Yeah. I mean, depending. Yeah. Would it be a longer stretch or different stretches? Would you? I would say different stretches. And I, and I think it, it really cut, does come down to personal preferences from, from my experience. There was a time that I stretched almost 30 seconds a month. Now, now I've expanded that. I go 35 seconds a month. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hence the reason I can't reach my feet. And, you know, my elasticity um, and my flexibility is, is gone. Uh, I was, when you were tell, talking about the people stretching at the, the moxie race, yeah. you know, my thought was, okay, was there anybody just laying on the ground, not moving? Because that's the type of stretching I typically do now. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they haven't caught up with me yet. <laughs> no, that would be my style, too. I do want to say something about um, dynamic and um, static stretching. So when I first started, I said I was doing static stretches, and now I do dynamic stretches. And um, I can't say that either one has, I mean, maybe it's led to something, but like Wes was saying, you don't really notice. Um, and I don't know that if I still would, were doing static stretches for, I mean, maybe it would have some, but it's just what I knew, so that's what I did. And I was still running at a level for that time, for how many miles I was putting in and so forth, pretty well. I think whatever works for you. And, and, and I think I, it goes back to what I mentioned. You have to determine what you're looking for from the activity of stretching. Right. You know, to Wes's point, he finishes up a run, he feels tight, he feels, you know, stiff. You know, sometimes just sitting down on the ground and, and you know, doing a hamstring and, you know, stretch like that and, and then stretching the quads and some hurdling stretching, you know, that type of stuff you feel much better afterwards because what you've done is you've gone into a position that <clears throat> holds the muscle in an elongated position long enough for it to relax because the muscle's automatic tendency is going to be right. i got to pull it back together right. i got to oh wait a minute what am i doing i'm i'm going too long so you're creating an um a subconscious retraction mode in the muscle that's trying to pull itself back together. Once you get beyond that and you can get to the point where the muscle now relaxes, 
now the blood flow is flushing through some of that waste. Yeah. So some of the, the byproducts of lactic acid and the, you know, the waste product buildup in the muscles and in the, um, the bloodstream, by stretching, what you can do is you allow those muscles to relax, that blood flows through there much more efficiently, and it flushes that through it, and it can facilitate the recovery period. One of the things I notice is when, I, when I'm running, sometimes I'll have to stop and do, you know, I'll have to stand up, but I'll have to do this because my leg gets all... Yep. I mean... Do you even know what muscle you're stretching? It feels like it's this. What yes, is that? Is. What muscle is that? Squat. 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 Yeah. Okay. But anyway, I feel, and I'm wondering, is sometimes I have to stop during a race just like yep. for five seconds, just yep. enough to, because it feels too tight. Right. And that's why I was wondering, if I did stretches at the beginning, would I need to do that? Or at least... Usually, I mean, and it, it, it does become personal. You know, each individual is different. Yeah. You know, some people will feel better, like you do. When you stop mid-race or mid-run or whatever it is yeah. and, and do that type of a stretch or, you know, whether it's a uh, heel raise or something along that lines, to stretch an area that is causing you some uh, discomfort or not normal feeling, yeah. uh, I guess is, is the better phrase. But Thank you. it doesn't necessarily mean that doing that before the race is going to eliminate the need to do it during the race. Right. I think, it, it again, I keep going back to this, but it becomes personal preference. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a number of people that I know that they have no problem stopping during a race. You know, they do the run walk. They, yeah. you know, they're running for four minutes. They walk for a minute, and they feel great when they get done. You know, I know other people, myself included, if I stop and walk, just psychologically, I'm done. It's over. So I don't yeah, know I don't. that I could... Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I could ever get it beyond that. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe in another, you know, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the point being, it's an individual thing. Yeah. And what you have to do is experiment. Yeah. And, and that's my recommendation to everybody. You know, new runners, old runners, you know, try something. You know, yeah. you may find that... Jesus, I didn't think that was going to help me, but it feels so much better when I do this or, yeah. you know, stretching-wise or, um, you know, doing bounding and the plyometrics and any of the dynamic stretching. You know, you would find that there's some odd activities that you participate in that will make your running much more enjoyable. I always was very active um, right up until my first hip replacement and active I was doing racquetball I was doing basketball tennis you know all of those uh, cycling I was doing all of those activities um, and <clears throat> even into a soccer I was horrible but it was different activities so I was always doing other non unidirectional motions right to keep everything supple and activated. And I think that's where a lot of runners become injured in that they become so focused on going forward with no side-to-side -side activity, no engagement of the lateral yeah. uh, muscles, that when they become fatigued, it's over. Yeah. Because they haven't gotten those muscles used to working. 
Um, and I always thought that that was a benefit to me in that I was always doing the side-to-side -side stuff, the up and down, the jumping, the bounding, the leaping, right. you know, all of those activities that created that. In some cases, that meant that, you know, I would finish up a basketball game and I'm stretching. You know, I'm just sitting on the floor. I'm stretching, stretching the hamstrings, the calves, you know, everything getting stretched out um, while I'm enjoying a refreshment. And, <laughs> you know, um, letting things... Um, ease their way back to normalcy so and individually that worked for me yeah it doesn't work for everybody so i think the key for anybody taking on stretching activities is to experiment you know you see somebody doing something at a race okay give it a go yep see what happens yep. you know try it a couple of times yep silly as it looks yeah sometimes i'm gonna throw a, a wrench in this and um wes what is your um, experience and perception of yoga for runners? Uh, I The first time I did yoga, I think, I don't know if it was necessarily with you, but around the time, probably you started doing it, I went to a yoga session in Freeport with Seth Hasty, And it was an hour long and it was all for runners. And that is very hard to do. It's not easy. And you actually feel very sore after <laughs> But if you can do yoga daily, or not every, not every day, but maybe a few times a week, I think it does help. It's just getting into the routine of doing it. So why do you think it helps? And, and I just want to bring up something else, too. So you said the first time you did yoga, which indicates that you've done it more than once. Right. Okay. So yes. approximately how many times have you done yoga? Professionally, once, but with Alan, I would say multiple times. After some of our long runs, we do some yeah. yoga poses. So Okay, all right. So you're not necessarily going and having stones put on your back and having goats walk over you and, <laughs> no. and hot yoga and, and any of that stuff? But No, no. And like and Alan said, it's mostly after a run. It's not... It's not not necessarily before we do a run. Okay. But it's okay. it's sort of, you know, it's a lot of stretches and you're, you're forcing your body into positions that is not natural and therefore it's stretching different muscles that you wouldn't necessarily stretch. There's so many things I could say. Yes, there's a lot of things you could say. <laughs> and, and amongst this group, I'm sure you guys have a pretty good idea where I would go with Oh yeah, probably. So I'm going to refrain. It's like playing Twister. Yeah, yeah that's one of the things that I had in mind. <laughs> so from that perspective, you're using the yoga poses as a form of body weight stretching. Yes. Would that be accurate? I'd say pretty close, yeah. Okay. Scott, what is your experience in... My experience in yoga? Yeah. Limited, ugly, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't call what I was doing yoga. <laughs> there were people around me <laughs> that were doing yoga. What I was doing was not considered yoga. I, my flexibility at that time, and, and again, it was after my, my first hip replacement. So my range of motion on my left side was nil. I had none. I couldn't do anything. 
So a lot of times the poses and, and you know, the elasticity and the flexibility that many of the people in the room were able to exhibit, yeah, I couldn't even dream that sort of um, range of motion. But having said that, I agree with Wes in that as you get into it, as you practice it, it's just like anything. You, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it because you get beyond the point of fighting it. And a lot of us will fight because we don't, it doesn't feel natural. And we have a tough time turning on that trigger to send the signal from the brain to a specific muscle to relax. And if you can't do that, it becomes very difficult to perform some of the poses and get into some of the effective yoga positions and stretching positions um, that, you know, really can be beneficial. Yep. Uh, do you remember who you um, had the class with or where it was or anything? <laughs> no, but it was, yeah, I remember where it was. It was over here at the YW. Um, and it was a runner's uh, yoga class. And it was a, if I recall correctly, it was a woman from Freeport. Yeah, Terry yes. Crocker, I think. Yes. She's very good. And and she was good. She was very patient with me. And, uh, you know, I I was definitely the um, don't do it like this. So everybody else, you know, they may not have been perfect, but I made them look pretty goddamn good. She showed a good um, sort of way to tell if you have maybe plantar fasciitis or uh, under your foot, maybe the muscles and tendons are very tight is you take one of those bouncy balls like you'd get at a machine that you paid like 25 cents for, and you put it on the hardwood floor and you roll your foot over it. And when I first did that in her yoga class, I almost wanted to scream because it hurt. And that, then she was telling us, you know, if it's really tight, then you need to do that more and the bottom of your foot needs to be stretched. So sometimes even if you just do it with a tennis ball, at least I've noticed that. And it's usually my left foot that's the tightest. So, so again, I'll play the devil's advocate. So if we go back to what we were talking about earlier with the elasticity and the flexibility uh, and the tension created by stretching and the lack of tension created by stretching, if you are loosening up the muscle or the tendons or the muscles at the bottom of your foot and making them elongated, aren't you defeating the purpose of the foot being used as a spring? I would say if you overstretch the your arch of your foot, you could potentially maybe yeah. collapse your foot. So I, I would say you definitely want to overstretch it. I know uh, I had a co-worker, this really isn't into stretching, but she kept going to the chiropractor and she kept having her hip put in and kept having it put in while he kept doing it so much that he stretched the ligaments and tendons out around it. And so you, you gotta, I, think, I think too much stretching is definitely not a good idea. Well, and I think the other thing is you have to recognize that, that a lot of times people will stretch the symptom and not the cause. Right. You know, so 
a lot of times people will start, they'll focus their stretching on, well, I'm a little tight on this side, so I'm going to stretch that a lot. When in actuality, they should be stretching the antagonist, right. the opposite, yep. on the other side, which would create the relaxation of the tension created on that side. Yep. So, you know, you tighten your glute on your left side, so you may want to think about stretching the quad on your right side because that may be inhibiting the flexibility because there's a there's a range of motion issue or a strength issue that's causing the glute on the left side to compensate and that's the symptom right um going directly with that you know symptom and cause thing when i first started running with pr and i started getting into longer runs and so forth my knee would flare up because i had an ACL replacement um, and then I went to the doctor thinking that you know I my ACL had, it was like eight or nine years that you know it had been replaced so um, I was thinking I needed a new replacement and uh, the physical therapist actually said well why don't we work on your hips and so instead of the knee it was actually my hips that were deficient and then once I started working on my hips my knee has never flared up since and yeah and, and that's where uh, and, it, and it's much more common than we would like to admit that many times folks are attacking an area that is the symptom and not really thinking and resolving what caused the symptom right. and wondering why it continues to, to be there. Why, why is my right knee continuing to hurt? I've done everything to stretch out my right leg and as well, you know, maybe you ought to take a look at the left leg. Yeah, because that's caused. That's probably causing, and the weak link happens to be the right knee. Yoga for me is like I started doing yoga. It's it's helped me running wise. I mean, I don't know how I really, but the flexibility it gave me. Like I was yeah. super stiff. I yeah. Hard, my hips are kind of messed up. Yeah. But the yoga with this this now the stretching and the yoga is helping me. You know, just range of motion wise, like I couldn't do half the stuff I could do now a year ago. So that's helping helping me run better. <laughs> so, so to that end, um, do you feel so? You've been running for this is my second year. Second year, I was going to say it's a couple yeah. of years, right? Yeah. So in the first year, you're okay. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm out there running, you know, whatever it is. With everything you've experienced over the past twenty four months. Do you feel like a smoother runner now than you were when you started? I feel, yeah, I do. I feel better. Yeah. I mean, before I could barely do anything. Now I'm not that bad, but I'm still weak is where I'm, we were talking about weakness, but I'm still, yeah. still weak in areas. And that, to me, it, it shows up in yoga a lot. Yes. Where my weakness is. So I'm using that to say... This is where I need to need work. This but, is what I got to work on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's it's it just it's helping me identify the the problems. Well, and I think <clears throat> it, from what I'm hearing, it's enhancing the running experience. Yeah. Because you know you're getting out there, you're running, you get the sensations that oh man, I feel weak here, or the, and now you're feeling as though when you're doing whether it's the yoga or you know, whatever other activity it happens to be, that's allowing you to feel stronger 
in the area that you're feeling is a weakness right. on the in, during your running activity. Right. And I think that's and and if you are going to improve as any sort of an athlete, whether it's a runner or a swimmer or a cyclist or anything along that lines, any activity that you feel is going to benefit the primary activity is an activity that you should pursue. Pursue. Yeah. So if you feel like stretching is going to enhance your running, you should be stretching. Yeah. If you feel like bounding and, and dynamic stretching is going to enhance that, then you should be doing that. If swimming, whatever that activity is, to enhance your ability to appreciate and enjoy the primary activity, that needs to be a focus on some of your non-primary activity, right. um, you know, motion. Not to change the subject, but one thing I noticed too is like we're talking about warm-ups and cool-downs. When I was running on the track, I would I would go and I just run. And be eh. Yeah. And what I would do, bef- you know, a couple times is I would walk a mile around Bates. And then go to the track, and it was easier to do the running after I did the mile walk, which to me was kind of odd. Yeah. Because I I figure I have like a finite finite amount of energy. <laughs> I don't want to waste it on the mile. That's why you know what I mean. It's like like you run what pre races you run a couple miles. I'll before run a five k before a five k. Yeah. yeah, and I never can understand that because. I, I feel like I only have a set amount of energy to run a race. <laughs> I gotta parcel that out. Right, I can't I can't I can't run five k and then do it again. So, I mean that's what I, like warm up wise. It's... I had that same mentality when I first started running. Um, first when I met Wes for the first time, it was him and Seth Hasty. It was at the Monmouth five k, right? No, not Monmouth. No, you met Fourth of July. Winthrop. Winthrop, yeah. yeah. Winthrop. Friends on the fourth. So, and I just I remember because Seth Hasty had a lot of tattoos. I like tattoos, um, and Wes, and I saw, I'm like, what are these people doing running before they're running? Like, <laughs> they're wasting energy. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I still feel. If only you knew, Alan, if only you knew. Now you know. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because I hear that and I've heard that a lot in that when I was coaching high school kids and, and various individuals, it was, you know, trying to get them to do an appropriate warm-up to actually be prepared when the gun was fired was probably one of the most difficult (laughs) challenges that, as a coach, it's difficult. Because, to your point, Mike, I've only got a certain amount of energy. Scott, don't tell me I need to run a mile beforehand because that's a mile that I'm not going to be able to do during the race. (laughs) Right. And... It's even more so in high school because they're looking at it, well, I'm exhausted every time I get done running. Well, yeah, you are because it's an effort. We're not talking about an effort for a duration here. We're talking about a period of enhancement to waken everything up that needs to be performing for the next 35 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever the duration of the race or activity is going to be. If you take the first 10 minutes of a 30-minute race to warm up, you've used up a third warming up at less than maximum efficiency. That's an interesting point. Then you've only got two-thirds of the race left when you're finally performing at maximum efficiency. 
And if you get to the end of the race and you see the finish line, nine times out of ten, everybody accelerates. Which means that there was more in the tank than they thought. That's my biggest issue. Yep. 100% true. 100%. And, and, you see and, that? It's a mental thing. You click, and, yeah. and it's, even when you're getting home from a long run, you're like, oh, I, I know where I'm at. I know where my house is. Yep. I can put in a little bit more effort. I can, I can it step it up. It doesn't even have to be a race. When yet. you are headed for the barn, the <laughs> horses go faster. Yeah. So, and I think that's, that's one of the things to keep in mind as you start to think about your warm-up and your preparation yeah. for your next 5K, your next workout, whatever it happens to be, that five minutes or ten minutes that you use for an activity meant to loosen you up, both mentally and physically, that is going to enhance the initiation of the activity itself. And it's going to make that much more comfortable from the standpoint of, okay, you're ready to go. So you're not fighting yourself for the first ten minutes. I hadn't considered that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and it's surprising how many people don't consider that. Yeah. You know, you go to races now and you still see people, you know, they they are not doing anything prior to the to the gun going off. Yeah, it's me. I just stand around. Yeah. Looking wait around, at everybody. Wait around, then everybody starts to migrate to the starting line and yep. you migrate with them and then the gun goes off and there you go. Yeah. And you start your warm up. Can I um ask a maybe a couple questions and see what people's thoughts are? It's sort of in the realm of not really stretching, but with your muscles. What about taking a hot bath versus a cold bath versus a salt water bath? Epsom salt bath? Yeah, because when I was when I was in high school, every time I did cross country practice, my because I didn't run, you know, I was new at it. My legs killed me. I could barely walk. I gave it 100% every time. So every day I'd get home, I'd take a cold bath. Now, as I'm older, I don't really like to take cold baths, but at the time, I thought it helped. That's because you scarred yourself when you were doing it in <laughs> high school. So, yeah, I know Alan likes cold baths. I mean, I prefer warmer baths, hot baths at night, but I don't know what people think because a lot of people, it does help their muscles relax. I do both sometimes, so... In a cycle, um, I'll do an Epsom salt bath um, after a long run. Every once in a great while, I'll do an ice bath, always with a beer, though, because the beer helps settle my breath. Um, (laughs) The Epsom salt bath is relaxing, where I feel the ice bath takes away some of the fatigue, and it also helps me manage my breathing, because when you first get into that cold water, you have the tendency to almost hyperventilate. So that challenge of managing your breathing somehow translates to my running when you're at the you know end of a race or something and you might be breathing hard or you know, you're doing a workout or something. So um, I try and translate the ice bath and that first getting into it that way. So I've done all of the above as, as recovery and this and that. Since I tend to avoid bathing, Um, It's difficult for me to get into an ice bath or a hot bath or a shower or anything along that lines. But having said that, um, if you think about what the physical reactions are to hot and cold um, conditions, 
when you get into an ice bath, the body it is, is going to reduce swelling. And typically when you have exerted yourself, there is going to be a certain amount of swelling that takes place within the exerted muscles. And by getting into an ice bath, what you're doing is you're creating that compression to minimize the amount of swelling that takes place, which therefore keeps the fluid from pooling in areas, which forces the bloodstream to flush out the waste products as opposed to allowing them to linger, which is then creating the soreness. So the ice bath after a hard workout or a hard run or anything along that lines is a good recovery tool. As far as the hot bath goes, that's the same. If you've gone out in the middle of January uh, in Maine and you've run a long run uh, and you have the tendency not to wear long leg coverings, uh, Scott. Taking the, yeah, taking the, you know, the hot bath or the shower or, you know, trying to relieve some of that stiffness that has occurred. I wouldn't do it immediately following the run because your body core temperature is already going to be up there. But, you know, six or eight hours later as you're getting ready to go to bed or whatever the case may be, taking that hot bath can allow for the facilitation of the recovery just as well. It's a passive method of stretching. When I, you know, I was in um, Bar Harbor uh, two, two weekends ago for New Year's Eve. And then on New Year's Day, um, a bunch of us went in the ocean. We did a polar plunge. And the thing that everybody told me that has done it before don't just run in go in slowly so I walked in very slowly and then once I got to my chest I went under but I actually was able to stay in the water for a couple minutes That's right. and then I got out and I wasn't cold I might have been in shock but I I, I the only thing that was really cold on me was my toes so I just dry myself off you know put my sweatpants on and my shirt on and I never felt cold right? and it was sort of relaxing. I have two friends that every weekend in the winter go in the ocean and nice. they're runners and they just feel like it is relaxing to them. And it is. And, and, and again, because what you're doing is you're creating a, uh, for, for all intents and purposes, it's a passive full body muscle contraction by going into the cold water, the body is going to try and trap its all the heat that it possibly can to keep the vital organs going. And by doing that, when you come back out, the air feels fine. It feels warm. You dry off. The, the key is to not stand around. Right. The key is to get dried off, to get some wet, you know, dry clothing on, and it, it is very refreshing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I tend to do it so every year at Beach to Beacon, one of the things that I do when I finish the cool down is I'm in the ocean. And, you know, it helps bring the body temperature back down. It helps 
minimize the amount of soreness I may have, um, you know, later in the day, the stiffness and this and that. So, you know, it's just another version of preparing the body to recover after an exertion. What about, um, do you, do any of you guys stretch before you go to bed? No. Uh, it's pretty much unanimous. No. I, I do sometimes, if, especially if I do a long run, because I, I feel like my hip, or, yes, yeah, mostly my right hip gets really tight, and if I feel like if I don't stretch in the morning, then as soon as I get out of bed and I plant my feet on the floor, I hobble for, you know, 10 or 12 steps before I can finally walk that's, normally. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going that Scott mentioned earlier when you get up out of bed that is kind of your stretching and you know there's been many a times when I wake up in the morning and I'm super stiff as soon as I get out of bed and I walk down the stairs and get that coffee I'm like oh okay but I have the mindset like if I have a workout that day or it's a Tuesday and we're doing PR it's like I don't know how I'm gonna get through this workout but as soon as you you get moving and you you know you get that blood going through the muscles um, it's like Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm fine. I don't know that fine is the right word for it, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you're certainly more... Psychotic, psychotic maybe? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and I think that's it. I think, and, and this goes back to what we talked about earlier, is that you have to find what makes you feel better about not only what you are going to do, but about what you did previously and or what you did the day before. So if laying in bed when you wake up in the morning and taking a couple of minutes to, to just do a couple of toe curls or ankle movements or anything along that line so that that first three or four shuffling steps across the floor <laughs> are not nearly as uncomfortable, I think that's what you need to do. So I think experimentation um, is the key to successfully finding what works for you. Um, so to your question that, that led to this discussion, Mike. Yeah. You know, you go to the race, you watch what others are doing, give it a go. Yep. I don't know that I'd recommend putting my foot behind my head <laughs> and seeing how that felt um, because I'm not sure that they could get an ambulance there to get me away. But, you know, I think that if, if you start looking and watching and then doing a little bit of research, you know, YouTube or whatever and say, okay, let's see what these stretches are all about. What's the purpose? Yeah. And, and really getting some of that understanding, I think that will enhance the running activity and the running experience for anybody. I think it's about putting the pieces together because, Mike, you're so new at it. You're going to see Alan do something. Then you're going to see this person in yoga do something. Then you're going to see a person at a race do something. And when you put everything together, that's when you probably will start to notice improvement or you feel better or you just feel like you might know more about stretching and right. how to do it and when to do it yeah you know keep me from stopping and walking <laughs> right yeah and, and and again you you okay what's the objective what am i trying to achieve what am i looking to get from this yeah and and i think too many times people don't have an objective they just do it because they saw somebody else do it Okay, they're like lemmings to see. Okay, yep. one of them did it, so they all followed. Okay, well, you know, think about what you're looking to accomplish. If you see somebody doing something, test it. 
oh, does that feel okay? And then you do a little bit of research, yeah. you know? Um, I have a, a running buddy, and not that I would recommend this, but I saw him getting ready for a race one time, and it happened to be the Bates alumni meet. And I'm over there watching, and these guys are all getting ready, and he was one of the alumni getting ready for the race. And he is wrapping duct tape around his foot. And I went, what are you doing? Oh, I've got some plantar fasciitis, and this helps me get through the race. So he had found something to help him get through the event. Right. I wouldn't recommend to anybody wrapping your foot in duct tape so that no. you can get through a race. <laughs> but his mentality was such that I want to perform this. I want to do this. This is what I'm going to do, and this is what I found has worked. Again, the extreme being wrapping duct tape around your foot so that you can run in a race. Kind the, of done that. The, the, the real story is he found something that allowed him to do something he loved. Yeah. And that was the key to the objective of the duct tape. Stretching, dynamic stretching, warming up, that's all the same. Yeah. How do you find something that fits to what you want to accomplish, which is... Running, says the man who creates his own orthotics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you create your own orthotics? Yes. How do you create them? Uh, fiberglass. You're kind of like the guy that made the uh, Nike waffle there. Yeah, Bill Bowerman. So yeah, so I know I take the, uh, the plaster of Paris, I mix it up, I put it into a, uh, uh, a storage bin, and then I push my foot into it, allow it to... Uh, to form around my unflexed arch area. Mm -hmm. uh, and then once it hardens up, I can go ahead and make a uh, uh, fiberglass orthotic. That's pretty neat. Well, there you have it. That was our most recent podcast. Hope you enjoyed and thanks for listening. We have many more topics in the pipeline, so be sure to subscribe to get our latest tale from the long run. Please feel free to comment and let us know your thoughts. In our next episode, we talk about injury and how to keep sane during your downtime, along with pathways to recovery.